0: Welcome back to Close Encounters of the Blurred Kind, your guide to all things black and nerdy. I'm Wren. I'm Weaver. And today, sadly, we do not have Parker with us, but we do have a very special guest. Uh, we have the guest, Jariah, who is a consummate musician and everything. And I'm going to let Weaver introduce him because they have met him personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, this is the first time we've spoken one-on-one, but I am uh, honored. Uh, so take it away, Weaver.
1: Um. <laughs> So this is a very interesting story because uh, a couple months ago, right after my uh, first TikTok account got hacked and I had to start a new one, um, it was right. It was right when that uh, uh, Amanda Palmer cover of um, <laughs> pressure,
0: pressure, pressure from In <laughs> The fact that everyone just immediately was like, "Yeah, exactly. I
1: know exactly what you're talking about." Yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. no, thank you, Amanda That's- Palmer. <laughs> Yeah, very cringe um right after that i made a tiktok uh absolutely blasting amanda palmer because she deserves it because she's a piece of shit she really um, is but uh i made a video talking about the dark cabaret scene and how it's very white um and how like 90 percent of the scene is sort of just like ripping off black musicians there's a lot of there's a very strong like voodoo aesthetic undercurrent in a lot of like dark cabaret which yes. is like very blatantly appropriative um so i made a video talking about how i wish there were more like black musicians in the dark cabaret and adjacent scene um and like 30 people tagged Jeraya in my video and they were like this isn't exactly the same genre but you should check him out and of course i did and i was like holy shit this is incredible um, and then, like, two two days later, maybe one day later, um, my friend Irene invited me to go to the show at the Heck House because um, the person that uh, was producing the show uh, is Irene's friend, Kit Faye, and Irene wanted to introduce me to Kit. Um, and I was like, yeah, okay, sure. Like, Irene was literally texting me at, like, 3 a.m., like, hey, you want to go to this tomorrow? And I'm like, yeah, okay. And I fell asleep because it was 3 a.m. And then I woke up the next day and I saw that like spur of the moment like it had not been this way before but just you know within the past couple days um the listing for the heck house show had updated to like include Jiraiya and I was like what are the odds (laughs) uh so yeah I went to the show and I bought this shirt this cool shirt my awesome Jiraiya merch I got it signed um there's this cool (laughs) orange knife it kind of looks like a carrot um but I am a big fan. Um, yeah, and then I got to meet Jiraiya and you were very cool. All right, now I'll let you talk. Well, also, um,
0: well, sorry, before Dr. cut in, uh, but but also one thing to mention, you've already heard Jiraiya's work because Jiraiya uh, did us the honor of letting oh, us yeah. use his song for our intro. Uh, so yes. that is, what's the name of that uh, piece, Jiraiya?
2: Oh, right, yeah. It's <laughs> called Enter Beginner's Guide to Faking Your Death. Ta- nice. Uh, sort of title track, I guess, from, from the last EP it uh, works very
0: like, well with with like yeah. our content here it is it very much hits the vibe and while weaver was, has done some amazing editing work with it
1: <laughs> um while i was editing the video a couple days ago my husband came in the room and he was like that sounds like an anime intro i'm like doesn't it it's very epic um and i i i was i was really interested in like the recurring theme of like Luck and fortune that's in so many of your songs because, um, you know, I've been writing a story called Gate City Blues that features a sort of trickster god character named the Jack of Diamonds, um, who is like a remnant of um, my main character's father, who was a vaudeville magician. And so I've been reading a lot about like trickster gods, um, and uh, isn't that like also losing... like your
0: alter ego or persona yes, or whatever you diamonds yeah.
1: my, my drag king persona um so yeah so like the 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 motifs of like the playing cards and the dice um like really resonated with me uh how did you like come to to that like imagery
2: uh yeah i mean i think it's funny i think if you would have asked me that question like a year ago i probably would have an entirely different answer um But I've recently kind of I I guess I made this this realization a while ago that a lot of the time I'll just write songs and then they'll just be little stories. And then I'll kind of look back at like the period where I was writing that or what was happening. And I'll be like, yeah, that was pretty relevant to what what I was going through, because at the time I I can't really tell, you know, it's like I'm just writing a little story. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of where my head was at at the time. I was like, I just want to write some music. This was way back in um way back. I mean it was like in twenty twenty or like twenty twenty one when that song like first first came about and
0: That's okay, originally... twenty twenty might as well have been six thousand years ago. So No literally. <laughs> And also last week.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and uh it originally was um it was called Myself in Two. And I think originally I, I wrote it about just um the fact that like anything can happen and sometimes bad things happen, you know? And it, it was just yeah. like, I was just in one of those moods where I'm like, I'm going to write a dramatic song about like bad stuff happening. And then after I, I got into the whole EP and the whole like faking your death story, I remember feeling like there was like a missing piece. And I remember that sort of demo I put together from what would become bad luck, which is like, I think sort of the centerpiece of the whole luck theme you know, and that ended up being a thing where I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I was going to release this without this. This feels like, this feels like completely necessary. And I think the reason I sort of settled on that, like imagery and that way of telling the story is because I was just feeling like, I, I felt like luck just wasn't in my favor. You know, I don't really believe in luck necessarily as like a, a trait or an attribute. Like I don't, I don't know if I believe that people have luck, you know, I think Mm -hmm. it's more that um, situations and, and opportunities and risks kind of define like what your luck is and what happens. And I think I just kind of had this moment of like things going wrong, like constantly and, you know, trying to, trying to accomplish things, trying to be a musician, trying to, You know grow as a person and being like constantly just like bombarded with like new obstacles you know Mm -hmm. and then i think i just kind of came to um came to a bit of a conclusion where i was like i i don't think it really matters like what comes my way as far as luck because i i think at the very least i have the ability to just keep pushing forward and whatever happens happens so it was one of those things where I stopped like wishing for my luck to get better, and just kind of started wishing for like more. Uh, I don't know. I guess just more. Oh my god, what is the word? I I just had it more. I guess tenacity to gotcha. to kind of like push kind of taking
0: taking control of your own fate or whatever. Yeah, or exactly. <laughs> Okay, i think that that's that's like super valid like i've definitely had similar sort of revelations in terms of just like realizing that like life is i mean not to quote uh the illustrious hannah montana but life's what you make it and, and, so and let's make it rock yeah, exactly <laughs> and so i just think that it is so it is so i mean obviously there are certain there are circumstances that are beyond your control but uh, my life totally took a different direction when I just started sort of taking control of my own like destiny to the extent that I could in terms of just like, you know, making decisions for myself. Like, you know, I have, I'm me, I have one life to live and I can't live it based on like what other people's expectations or ex- desires or demands and what,
1: what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, I was gonna say, uh, one of the things that I really love about your music is like I, I so strongly associate all like all of your music with my drag persona, the Jack of Diamonds, who is oh, yeah. very heavily inspired by the West African trickster god Eshu Elegbara. Um, uh, he was like a, a orisha of the Yoruba religion. He was like the god of the crossroads, um, the god of duality, of being two opposite things simultaneously. Um, and, like, his colors, depending on who you ask, are red and black or black and white. Um, and uh, when it comes to bad luck uh, within the Yoruba religion, as, you know, as far as my research has gone, you know, I'm not, like, a practitioner of this religion. So, if anybody is, feel free to correct me. But from what I've read in, like, scholarly articles and stuff, um, Eshu is considered, like, the the mouthpiece of the gods Um, Not only that, but, like, the actual mouth of the gods. And there's this expression that, like, um, there's this idea that because he's a trickster, he's both good and bad. And so there's this idea that Eshu causes bad things to happen. Eshu causes the bad luck, which causes people to have to sacrifice to the gods. And so, like, he is necessary within that cycle so it's like you know if you if your house gets struck by lightning and burns down like you know eshu, maybe they'll say like eshu did that like you know eshu burned down my house so that the gods can eat because you know when something bad happens you'll go sacrifice to the gods and like if eshu didn't cause bad luck then the gods would starve and i thought that was like a really interesting um sort of cosmology of viewing bad luck as like yeah. necessary yeah. yeah in it kind of reminds me to yeah. perpetuate.
0: It kind of reminds me of how so like when I started looking when I started deconstructing my faith um and well now i I, i'm jewish but i I was raised like super christian and um one of the things that i looked into when i was started deconstructing was like the reality of like the linguistic understanding and even like the jewish understanding of the devil or like satan like in christian circles it's very much like the devil is a persona is one individual it's like there's god and then there's the devil there's a duality good bad god's good yeah. satan's bad and they fight against each other or whatever but like in the hebrew language satan is like a language for or like it is translated in a couple different ways but i believe one of the ways is just like the enemy and it, it's a very nebulous term that can be applied yeah. to like any person or group of people it's not like an individual it's just like a word for an opposition or an enemy which can be yeah. or, or an obstacle which can be anyone or anything um which mm-hmm. completely changes so much of like theology and so much of like your yeah. understanding of certain passages uh I when was, you
1: realize that <laughs> i was just talking to my mom the other day about how so much of what we consider like cornerstones of christian theology wasn't in the bible at all but came mm-hmm. directly from um Dante's Inferno Dante's or, Inferno yeah Um, or what's the Paradise Lost like mm-hmm. I was telling my mom like did you know the bible never says that the snake in the garden was Satan John Milton said that in Paradise Lost and then everybody for centuries after just accepted that as like the correct interpretation but that's not in the bible basically like, so like bible of, fan fiction <laughs> exactly exactly like yeah, fanon fan like, becomes the canon <laughs> So much of what we believe within Christianity about Satan and about demons specifically comes from like medieval and Renaissance and Enlightenment like dead white guys making up mm. fan fiction, and we all and have also just, like, what we believe that about like the Rapture.
0: Like, the yeah. Bible is, does not say very much about a
1: rapture or second coming at all. and like, like literally it, one guy yeah. wrote a book in the 1800s, like an Irish guy, and was like, I yeah. think this is how we should interpret that. And then everybody was like, okay, yeah, we'll this take is that as gospel. <laughs> I feel
2: like that's something I always thought about a lot, like, specifically, because, like, I guess for context, like, I I went to Catholic school for, like, 12 years, you know, so, hey.
0: (laughs) You got that special brand of trauma. (laughs) Oh, my God.
2: Don't even get me started. Um, But it was, I feel like there was, like, so much stuff where, like, the more and more I learned about it, the more I was, like, damn. Like, I feel like half the stuff I, like, I've heard people just say, like, anecdotally or just, like, in my life, I'm, like, none of that's in here. Yeah, they'll to see making things. Yeah, up. Yeah. And like, yeah, they really do. And then, like I, really. some people, you know, people bring it up in class and be like, "Why did they say this? Why do they say that?" And it would be like, "Oh, yo, you got to see this movie, you know, or you got to like see like read this book or something, or maybe you just be like, I don't know." People just started saying that, and it just mm-hmm. really stuck because, yeah. like. It, it evoked a reaction. You or know? like forgetting the
0: historical context, like the entire book of Revelation, which is the only book in the Bible that supposedly talks about the final days. But if you look at it in the historical context, many scholars agree that like, this was a book written specifically about like the Roman conquest and like all of the things that they mention are specific to the audience that he was writing for at the time, which was like early Christians in the Roman empire. And like the, the, the beast was just Nero and that kind of stuff. It's like, and most of the stuff was, very limited stuff for the audience that he was writing to. It was not meant to be taken by people 2,000 years later and used to me like, oh, this is what the end of the world's going to look like or whatever. Uh,
1: while I was doing my makeup today, I was thinking about the fact that uh, my grandfather uh, asked me to send him the links to the podcast because he would like to watch it. And I was like, as I was doing my makeup, I was like, oh, my granddad's going to see this. <laughs> He's going to have questions for me. Um <laughs> But I was, I was, as I was like, you know, penciling in my little Gomez Adams mustache and my little goatee, I was thinking about, thank you. I was thinking about how we associate the pencil mustache plus goatee with Satan. You know, there's so many drawings of Satan with the little goatee and the horns and little red suit. And like, you know, that's not in the Bible. The Bible does not describe (laughs) Satan as having, you know, a pencil mustache and a goatee. But you know where it does come from. Um, Back in the early, uh, late 19th and early 20th centuries, there was a really common trend for um, stage magicians to do shows themed around uh, Faust. Or like Dante's Inferno. We
0: saw that. Remember at the museum in Atlanta, we saw yeah. like pictures from those shows in the twenties, those vaudeville yeah, shows and we, stuff, where they had like the little uh, demon characters.
1: Uh, Rhyn and I went to the the Atlanta History Center the last time they were uh, they came to visit Atlanta. But yeah, um, and I, you know, I have been studying uh, magic history because um, my dad was into magic, and I have a lot of like weird trauma around that. Um, but yeah, like <laughs> magicians. Um, magicians would have these posters of showing like you know the little demons over their shoulder and the, and so like what we have in our mind of like what demons look like is like posters from like vaudeville and like the kinds of things they wear are the kinds of things that performers wore in the vaudeville era and the kind of the kind of facial hair they had is the kind of facial hair they had in the early 20th century. But also like there's a very distinct anti-immigrant sort of sentiment because mm-hmm. when you think of like the pale skin with the dark hair and you think about depictions of like Eastern European and Italian immigrants Semitic.
3: at the time and like anti-Semitic <laughs> tropes
1: of like these, these villainous characteristics are just people like foreigners. Um, and now yeah. we associate that with, Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's so much of that in history, like so much, even like fairy tales and stuff. So much of like even like the a witch, like the the stereotypical witch, is just anti-Semitic caricatures and stuff. This is like that. this is oh,
1: way yeah. out of nowhere, but I just learned this on TikTok the other day. Um so back in the day before like you know we have like our electric ovens and stuff so back in the day there would be community ovens and the way that like wood fire ovens would work is you would light a fire in there wait for it to get hot because the whole oven was like made out of stone or brick or whatever and so like the stone would absorb the heat and then you would remove the fire and then the the stove would steadily cool over time and you would have to like plan out which thing goes in first you know and then after eight hours you can put in the other things and then after like so many hours you put in this stuff that doesn't need a lot of heat, like, you know, pudding or whatever the fuck. Um, and there was, uh, this has, like, been documented that, like, midwives and, like, wise women who were vilified as witches, like, you know, women that communicated with other women mm-hmm. about, like, I exactly how to take care this. of their own bodies, <laughs> um, would use these cooling ovens uh, as incubators for premature babies. Um, Because they, you know, they would be kept warm, but not too warm. And so that is where a lot of the imagery of like witches putting children in ovens.
0: Yeah, like the whole like Hansel and Gretel trying to eat witches eating children. That comes from that. Um, anyway, Jariah, we've been talking a lot. Are yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna bring it back <laughs> around.
1: Uh, Jariah. Yeah, I feel like uh, I'm learning
2: so much. <laughs> I'm, I'm listening to a podcast
3: right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um i so when i was a teenager when i was i like a middle school teenager i had friends that were really into like panic at the disco fallout boy mcr same i however um i was listening to christian radio <laughs> um i was listening to switchfoot <laughs> same. and reliant k and hawk nelson same. and i like I missed out on like the peak era of pop punk, and I didn't. Reliant really K slaps, hurt. though. I will stand by yes. that. Reliant K is good. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of which, you should check out uh, my friend Simler Grace Simler Baldridge. Um, uh, yes, she's a, absolutely. Yes, she's a uh the first openly queer musician to chart number one on the Christian music charts. Um, and she headlined she, for uh Reliant yeah, K Yeah, she headlined for Reliant K back in twenty twenty. Um, uh, she went viral on TikTok for a project called Reliant Gay, um, in which she was, nice. like, doing covers of, like, you know, youth group era songs from a queer lens. Um, and it started off with, like, um, uh, the be, be My Escape or something like that. Yes, I'm Gay. begging you, I'm begging you, uh, I'm yeah. begging you to be my escape. I fucking love that song. Uh, yes, and the <laughs> one that was really haunting, the one that was really haunting for me is she did, like, a very, like, toned down chill, like, eerie, minor key cover of uh, DC Talk's Jesus Freak. Oh, yeah. It was was so haunting because the song is about, you know, the evangelical fetishization of, like, martyrdom and, like, you know, imagining yourself to be persecuted. Yes. But it it was so haunting to hear... To hear, you know, like, uh, what would people say when they find out I'm a Jesus freak? Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, this song about being persecuted, about being driven out, sung by someone who was driven out of the Christian church, who was persecuted by Christians. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, and so, like, after that went popular, she went on tour with Reliant K. Um, She made history, and then they didn't invite her to the Dove Awards, which was just, like, a week or two ago. Um, But she bought a ticket, and she went, and that was very cool. So, yeah, check out Similar also um oh, well
2: i'm doing some
1: googling yeah um i also
2: forgot yeah, out
0: 117, so- which is a friend of mine um <laughs> and they ran in have you have you heard 117 weaver i have not they ran in similar circles to reliant okay they weren't quite as big but um they were in the same i think they were on the same label and um the lead singer is a guy named matt who's actually a friend of mine we actually went to college together long oh, weird story
3: um <laughs> oh, but, wow.
0: but matt is really cool and uh, very queer friendly and um he has they're making new music like soon. So gotcha. yeah.
1: <laughs> um so yeah, Jura, I can tell there's like a very strong like pop punk influence in your work. And I'm I'm now like as an adult, like I I wasn't I didn't really get into like MCR and Panic at the Disco and Fall Out Boy until like 2020 when I was just like, hmm, let me just change everything about what I listened to, just because I felt like there was so much music that I had missed out on from like having yeah. listened to nothing but Christian radio for the first like several decades of my life. Um, and, but you're, you're like, it's such a like unique perspective. And I just like how I want to learn a little bit about like how you sort of came up with your style, like your musical influences, like how you got to this point, like to, to create your specific Jiraiya sound.
0: Yeah, and particularly with being a Black person in that space. Like, let's be real, a lot of pop punk is very white. And um, because the focus of the show is, like, centering Black folks who are yeah. in spheres that may not be traditionally considered Black spaces, I'm very curious to hear that.
2: For sure. Okay, yeah. I've been thinking a lot about this, so I'm going to try and, like, keep it contained. I feel like I have, like, a lot of trains of thoughts here. But I guess I'll you'll, just kind of start. right in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> In college, yeah. like, not to go, not to go on a tangent, but in Please college, do. freshman year of college, me and my friends ran, like, a radio show. It was called On a Tangent. And, hey. <laughs> and nice. you know, it's because, like, we would just start talking about stuff. Like, we'd bring in a list of topics, and then what would happen is the first topic would just lead us to, like, an hour-long tangent. We'd be like, okay, we'll continue this next
1: yeah. week. As long <laughs> as you anyways. plan for the tangents to be intentional. Exactly. um then it's then yeah then it's on purpose um
2: um but okay so as far as like find finding my sound finding my style so i think we're gonna just go to the beginning i guess like as a very young kid um i actually didn't like music like at all it was wow. one of those things where i in probably until i was like I don't know, like eight or something like that. I, I felt like I just couldn't like decipher any, like anything individually from music. Mm. It's like somebody would play a song and it would just sound like noise to me, you know? It's like, so so much was just going on, you know? Especially if it was like mm. loud music, like I'd be like, I'm just not, I don't get it, you know? Like there's mm. nothing happening. Everything is happening. You know? Um like which is funny
1: sensory overload. Yeah, Yeah. it was
2: it was kinda like that. You know, it was to the point where I couldn't like I couldn't pick anything out of the music that I like or dislike. Like it was just like this is like a sensory experience, not here for it. Hmm. And I don't know what song I don't think any particular song did it, but I feel like being like a child music just ends up being a big part of like your life, you know, like it's a big part of like children's programming. And, it's, you know, you go to like kindergarten and you sing a little song in the morning and then the evening. And, you know, I think that that was kind of necessary for me. Like, I don't, I don't think I was ever a kid where um music was like a natural language to me. I think I really had to like be eased into it through like little mm. things like that. And I, I think when I started, the first time I started listening to music, like independently on my own was um it might have been the black eyed peas or something. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Interesting. I, Interesting introduction. <laughs> yeah, I remember that was like one of the first songs I ever like listened to. It was the Black Eyed Peas. And this was around the same time Which this. song? Um My humps. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no.
2: Well at the, at the time at the time, um, which I feel like is important context, it was the the original version of, of Let's Get It Started.
0: Oh no! no. RIP <laughs> Oh no. I recently made a video about that, like on TikTok. And the amount of people who don't know that there is like an original alternate version of that song.
2: Oh they, like I feel like they really scrubbed that from history. They
0: really you know? did. I had played and people were like, Oh my god, they released this. I'm like, Yeah, this was a whole thing. Like they pretty successfully erased it from everybody's yeah. collective memory, but it happened. You can still find it on YouTube. Oh yeah, and
2: I didn't know what was going on, but I used to watch like AMVs, you know. So it's, like, mm-hmm. I remember that. I remember one of my friends telling me about uh, In the End by Linkin Park for the first time. That was, like, a big moment. Um, I was big on, uh, how did, did you, any of y'all ever use, like, the, uh, like, Flipnote Hatina thing or whatever? Mm-hmm. Where it's, like, people, so I I was a big DS kid. And you could post. They had like the Flipnote app where you could animate stuff, and I was like, "Oh, cool! I, you know, I'd animate like just anything, like stick, stick figure things, and like little mm-hmm. fight scenes." Like I, that was kind of like my introduced introduction to animation. But there was this feature where you could go online, and um, you could see what stuff people had uploaded. So it was like kind of like the equivalent of TikTok for me at the time, and for a lot of kids, mm-hmm. where it was just this endless stream of like just user created content and you could sync music to it because you know you could get like your sd card and throw it in your ds and any sounds that were on there you could throw into your sounds so mm-hmm. that's Ooh. how a lot of kids like including myself discovered like their first favorite band so it was like mm-hmm. that's how i got into some 41 that's how i got into um I don't know like 3 days grace and stuff like that just like a bunch of just a bunch of dudes making guitar music. A
1: bunch of dudes. You know? Uh did you dudes. did you find that it was easier for you to sort of conceptualize uh or like digest music? once that like visual component was added because that's something i've noticed even in just doing the editing for this podcast i've tried to make a podcast before without video and just editing the audio my brain hurts so bad but like when there's video to it it like makes sense
2: exactly you know it's like it engages two different parts of your brain yeah (laughs) you kind of read my mind that's kind of where i was (laughs) where, where i was going with it is that that led me into getting really into like anime music and like anime openings was the first time when I was like really like felt like a real reaction to music, you know. Mm-hmm. Like the songs come on mm-hmm. and like it's you have the opening and it'd be like amazing. My brain is like firing off right now. I'd you know be watching like Naruto or I'd be watching like cartoons, watching Ben 10 or something and be like, nice. these songs go crazy, but the visuals mm-hmm. are like what did it which i think is like permanently just created that link for me but um oh go on
0: this is gonna feel like it comes out of left field but i promise there's a connection so have you either of you seen the uh miami boys choir videos
1: (laughs) i've seen references uh, to them on tiktok so it's i've not seen many actual videos
0: so the miami boys choir is a jewish boys choir and it's been around oh, for like a while. I know
2: the one you're talking about. Okay. Yeah,
0: and
1: um, there's like this what whole yeah. fandom discourse about like who gets the solos and like there's a lot of yeah. opinions. Yeah, there's have like a there's like a whole fandom for it. <laughs> and one of
0: their songs, uh, "Rushalayim," which is just Jerusalem in Hebrew, Hebrew, but um, it was um, it went viral on TikTok, and a lot of people were like, "This I'm sounds sure. like an epic anime theme." And apparently, and I read this in a comment. Now I'll say it right now, I read this in a TikTok comment. I have not taken the time to cross source it yet, so I take this with a grain of salt. But according to somebody in the comments apparently anime themes were inspired by like traditional jewish music and that that's why there's so like sense. a comparison <laughs> that
1: makes so much sense um, oh my god what you were what you were saying before jariah about having trouble like with the sensory uh, element of music i have felt in terms of like making music i've tried so many times to learn how to um play musical instruments and I I just feel like there's something that's not clicking and it feels it 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 feels like I have to try really hard to like force my brain to understand it. Like uh my husband plays guitar and he'll he'll like try to explain to me the difference between like the upbeat and the downbeat and my brain like literally cannot parse it. And like that's (laughs) we're all we're all black here. I (laughs) have I have no I have no internal sense of rhythm and I I'm like so ashamed of that. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm not, I'm like, not a real, like I'm already biracial. I've already got that against me. And also I, I clap on one and three. Like <laughs> no, double I blame it on the autism. Um, But I, I feel like, I feel like my brain processes the audio like half a step after my ears are hearing it. I just feel like yeah. there's a delay and it's really like and I, I I, love to listen to music. But I remember when I was a kid, tr- like trying to figure out how to clap and sing at the same time was like incredibly uh-huh. difficult. <laughs> uh-huh. I, yeah. And it's just I I just felt like m- my brain had a really hard time um, just being able to like identify, you know, what was the rhythm versus what was the melody. Um, and it's, it's interesting to to hear that you had like a similar experience.
0: Do you guys remember the CBAT discourse (laughs) (laughs) really (laughs) recently on TikTok?
2: (laughs) I didn't really dive into it, but I remember it happening.
0: Yeah, because there was like a whole music theory discourse surrounding that in terms of like, is he thrusting to the beat or to the rhythm, Mm. which I think most people agreed that it was- what's
1: the difference? I can't tell. I think that most people agreed
0: it was the rhythm because like she recognized it without the music. And so there's a very specific, like there's a very specific rhythm to it. And it's like, it's, and it's a very actually like complex rhythm. Like it is not exactly three, four or four, four. It's like a compound rhythm thing. It's weird. Yeah.
2: Damn. But okay, it's really interesting that you bring that up. Because I guess I've never really, like, fully thought about it. But that was like, a big thing for me, too. You know, and I think the the way that the, the music started to make sense for me over a really long period of time, like, I started playing piano when I was nine. And then I started like, messing with production and stuff when I was like 11 or 12 or something. And that was like the big thing for me. Because when you're producing and you're like in like in like a digital workspace you can see
1: yeah. all of it. and that yeah. was when
2: i realized cuz i okay here's a cool thing you here's can like a see
1: story. a map like flowchart
2: yeah so okay here's a fun story when i was 9 or 10 or something i got really really into piano like just teaching myself my sister had this toy piano and she did not like playing it like my parents got it cuz she was like oh it'd be they'd, they'd be it'd be cool for you know for her to learn music and she was like not for me <laughs> um, but i was like this is cool because i can play i would look up youtube tutorials and i'd watch people play the songs and i would write down each note they were playing like i'd pause and go frame by frame and then i would like repeat it and i'd be like cool i can play this instrument and eventually i took piano lessons and it started off really good because i i think i had like a good like um sense of it physically you know like I could play the keys and if I practice a song enough like I could kind of play anything you know and what it when it got really difficult for me is when I started my teacher was like cool you can play it's 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 time for you to learn music theory like that's what you got to do if you want to take this any further and for the life of me I couldn't do it it's like Mm -hmm. just the idea of music like conceptually like in only in terms of ideas and sounds and it's like sure there's a visual element because there's sheet music and you're writing it mm-hmm. but you have to really understand it like sonically and i couldn't do it so I, I kind of ended up like stopping lessons and putting it down and i remember one of the big things for me was that around that time my music teacher at school heard me playing and was like hey you should try out for this uh program at juilliard they have like a children's program and she mm. was like i think you're really like gifted you should try this thing And, you know, like, they could really help you, like, work on this skill at a level that, like, I can't really in this, like, you know, Catholic school music class that you take once a week. So I went for it and I did the test and the performance section went great. And then they asked, there was, like, a music theory test. Of course. I don't know why I didn't expect that.
3: Mm -hmm. And
2: I got, like, a zero like i didn't know what was going on so that that didn't end up happening but that it's 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 really funny that you brought up that idea of like it just not making sense because i think once i could see it and i learned you could i was learning how learning how to produce music I realized that I could create these like visual motifs in my head for everything.
0: You know? mm. Yeah, so- yeah. Well, like what you said about earlier about how it's like a language. I completely relate to that too because like yeah. I like I was a music major in college and I studied music, but music theory. Oh,
1: I didn't know that. Whoa. Yeah, <laughs> that's
0: crazy. Oh yeah, but it, music theory kicked my ass. Like I, it was my least favorite <laughs> I hated it because I've always been a very musical person. I've always enjoyed singing. I've always enjoyed harmonizing. I like my mom likes to sing. My I've got several aunts and cousins who play piano and all. Kind of stuff. So we were a very musical family, but when it came to like the actual like doing it right or following the rules, my brain just like it cracked because I was like, I have such an intrinsic sense of music. Like I can hear something and I can harmonize with it, and I can get I know what sounds good and what doesn't. But like when yeah. it came to like breaking it down linguistically, I was like, oh, this is a lot. I don't like it. Like, and Andrea, I'm curious. Like, so you've you mentioned like sensory things and that kind of stuff. So, um, are you, if you don't mind my asking, are you like on the spectrum or are you like uh, ADHD or anything like that? Like that might have
1: affected your perception. I assume everyone's autistic until proven otherwise. Yeah. Oh,
2: my God. I mean, honestly, I don't know. I've suspected I have ADHD for a long time, but I feel like I've just never really gotten around to,
1: like... Yeah, especially, like, black black children are so often overlooked. Things manifest so much differently for us also because, like, our, our parents are more likely to reinforce for us how much how much of our survival is contingent on conformity because like yeah, if you're yeah. if, like we if you're are born like, masking basically <laughs> yeah like yeah. if oh, you're yeah. if you're out mm-hmm. in a in the grocery store having a meltdown like there's a whole other layer to your parents telling you that like that's not okay yeah. Yes, and we were yes, just,
0: yes. we and I were just talking about before the, before we started recording, like there are people, there was a shortage of everything, which is weird, but there was a shortage of ADHD medication. And there were some people who were like, oh, well it's probably because over the pandemic, like it was overdiagnosed. I'm like, no, the fact that people realize that they were ADHD over the pandemic makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. Because <laughs> we had a lot of time to like spend with ourselves and realize what the fuck. So the fact that there are so many people who realized that they were trans or they were neurodivergent yeah. or they were whatever,
2: like, <laughs> (laughs) gonna
0: happen. When have we as a society had several collective months where we had no choice but to spend
1: a ton of time with talk to yourself?
3: Yeah. Oh my
1: god. uh, there's there was a TikTok uh recently where somebody was like sure seems like there's a lot of autistic people these days were there always this much autistic people like yeah but also like the fact that more people are getting diagnosed and the fact that it's becoming more noticeable is directly tied to the fact that the world is changing so fast. Like when you think about what the human body was evolved for and you consider ADHD and autism as like just natural, useful variations, you know, you're a useful member of the community. Like back in farming days, somebody had to be okay with sitting down and shelling walnuts for 16 hours, you know, If you were very easily distracted, that probably made you a good hunter. Um, You know, like uh, somebody's got to go stand out there with Ah. the sheep. Like there are a lot of like jobs in farming communities, a lot of ways of life that are very, very compatible with autism and ADHD Mm -hmm. such that if you if that was just your job, you might go your whole life never having any problems. But like the industrial revolution, when you think about like the 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 whole scale of, like, how long humans have existed and, like, how long it took our, our bodies and minds to evolve. And, like, the Industrial Revolution was only, like, you know, 100, 200, like, the past yeah, just a couple hundred years. years ago. Yeah, like, yeah. our society has changed so fast that, like, our brains literally cannot keep up and mm-hmm. so like yeah it is very contingent on like what kind of environment and like capitalism um and like these external factors that like make these things worse
0: yeah even- idea of like morning people and like night owls and stuff like that like people like someone i saw a tweet the other day that's like why do we give so much power to morning people like why is it socially acceptable that you're not functional after 8 30 p.m but the fact that i'm not functional before 8 30 a.m is weird but it's like if you think about when we lived in like hunter-gatherer societies where somebody always had to stand watch for the wolves and shit it makes sense that some people are more inclined to wake up early and some people are more inclined to stay up late that that
1: natural (laughs) variation was necessary but now like sort of capitalism (laughs) forces us to all have to conform to the same pattern
0: and even the, ele- the uh, electricity or like the idea of yes. mono monochrom- or the chrom- chromatics i've talked about this theory of chromatics on tiktok before how you know the whole stereotype of oh black people are always late they're running on cp time and that kind of stuff a lot yeah. of people who live in like sub particularly tropical climates and like sub 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 equatorial um uh climates Run on a sense of time that is very much dependent on like seasons and is very much, you know, very has a lot of room to flow and to breathe. The closer
1: you are to the equator, the less like variation there is in day length. Yeah, so like exactly. It's not, as, it's not as noticeable to you when like hours have been passing because the sun is in a similar position in the sky. Yeah,
0: and when you're hunting and huh. stuff, and you have got all the time in the world to to plant your crops or whatever. Whereas if you're from a more like a society that is more susceptible to dramatic climate changes, like a lot of places in Western Europe, for example, yeah, like you do have to really like, be paying attention about. Okay, the, well, winter's yeah. coming. We can only plant crops to a certain degree whatever so that explains why so many white people are more like you know eight o'clock means eight o'clock whereas so many people of color are like eh. <laughs> yeah.
1: and it also it also got a lot worse with um uh the railroads because <laughs> yes. like railroads really forced everybody to keep to like a very specific schedule um but yeah i think <laughs> i think this is a, this is as good a as, uh, time as any to take a little uh a little break for our ads oh yes an ad break
2: Ah, oh, ad break
0: Okay, time for our ad break section. So, um, we are going to be plugging in our own little things right now because we are the only people who uh, support ourselves. So I am, um, of course, Rinstar on TikTok uh, at the real Rinstar on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I post. I'm pretty active on Twitter. Uh, somewhat active on Instagram. I also am really active on um Twitch. I stream at least three or four times a week on twitch.tv wordandnerd word um, and nerd. So, again, all of that will be in the bio. And, uh, Weaver, what were you going to plug? Uh,
1: I want to tell everybody once again about the Primordium Reading Group. Uh, it's a reading group hosted by me and several of my TikTok mutuals, including Kenna, who was a guest on one of our previous episodes. Throughout the month, each of the co-hosts rotate choosing a reading, and we do a read aloud live stream on my friend Madeline's Twitch channel at the Eclectic Library every Tuesday evening around 6, 6.30. Uh, That live stream is open to everybody. Anybody can join it and like comment in the chat. But if you would like to join the interactive group discussion following that live stream at 8 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays. Uh, all you've got to do is subscribe to me on Patreon, and you'll get access to that Primordium Discord server. Uh, there's a lot of cool readings every week. Uh, I chose the reading um, this past week, which, you know, well, this episode will go out in, like, November. But for me, I chose the reading last week, which was the short story uh, from the Harlem Renaissance, Smoke, Lilies, and Jade by Richard Bruce Nugent. And we had a big discussion about how many people in the Harlem Renaissance tried to sleep with Langston Hughes and also how many were <laughs> successful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. What a way to put that. <laughs> <laughs> um so if you would like to uh learn about that sort of thing, um subscribe to me on Patreon. Uh, but also you can check out the uh VOD on Madeline's Twitch channel. Once again, that's the eclectic library, and you can find me on Patreon at the Woodmother. And my other socials are also The Woodmother, um, Instagram, etc. The only difference is on TikTok, it's the underscore Woodmother. Can't forget that um anything else to promote no i think that's it oh yeah also subscribe to me on youtube uh, i'm working on a couple of video essays um i've been doing a lot of research into the harlem renaissance um and i want to be making more content about that because there's a lot of really cool history there um so yeah follow me on youtube and tiktok and etc all right what about you jariah
2: Ah, uh, oh man uh you know, I don't think I actually have anything specific to promote right now, you know, in, in a big, uh, moving in silence era right now. Nice. Uh, got a lot of things in the works, but you know, for now I'm, I'm Jiraiya underscore on TikTok and at Jariah Claire, pretty much everywhere else. Um, going to be putting out some stuff real soon. So, you know, follow on there, follow on Spotify or wherever you listen yes. to music. Definitely. And, uh. Uh, much to come
1: i think (laughs) yeah awesome awesome oh also uh since parker is not here i'm gonna remind everybody to go follow parker at uh humble tortoise on youtube and tiktok uh on instagram as humble dot tortoise and on spotify as witch hazel
0: yes indeed and all of those links of course as always will be in the description okay yeah okay (laughs) now we're back (laughs) (laughs) Um, it'll all make sense in the edit
1: (laughs) um uh we're back um yeah i'm i'm really fascinated uh by hearing you talk about like how you came to conceptualize music because i i've been working on this uh story for two years it's called gate city blues um and one of like the seeds of the story uh was when i was in 12th grade i uh I was really fascinated by the blues. Uh, I watched Oh Brother Where Art Thou for the first time. Oh my God, like, masterpiece! Yeah, talk about you know music affecting you. Like oof, yeah. That wanted, soundtrack is a masterpiece and remains it a masterpiece. Truly, like that soundtrack single-handedly like made bluegrass relevant again. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
0: It literally it revived. Not only did it revive the bluegrass like interest in bluegrass. It truly people did not give a fuck about bluegrass until that movie came out. But also <laughs> the fact that the people who compiled the soundtrack actually took the time to like properly credit where they got the music. Yeah. They actually that first have you seen uh, that, the movie Jura?
2: I don't think so.
0: So the, it opens with this
1: song It's like called this black chain gang. Yeah it's, it's a it's chain all gang. Singing and, and it's
0: not even it's not even like I mean there's there's there um Prisoners on a chain gang, and the main characters is like George Clooney and some other people are on a chain gang and they're singing this song. But it was actually a recording of a black chain gang from like the 1930s that they had that some musicologists had been had recorded as you it's know, like part one of the
1: of, Lomax recordings.
0: Yes, it's one of the Lomax recordings. And the people who put together Oh Brother Were Out there literally tracked down the guy who was the lead singer, a black guy who was a prisoner at the time in the 30s. At this point, he's like 70 or 80 years old. They tracked him down and they gave him royalties for using that recording, which it was public domain they did not have to give anybody credit for that but they tracked down the guy who was singing lead on that and they gave him royalties for it which is crazy
1: yeah (laughs) like more people should do that um yeah (laughs) Yeah, so I saw that when I was uh, in high school, and I was like, I want to write a story that makes people feel the way that this movie made me feel, except with more black people. Because yes. um, <laughs> there's, there's like, like a blackface
0: scene in that movie that I'm just okay with because it's yeah, such a good there's,
1: movie. There's okay, there's a very short list of movies that include blackface that black people watch it and they're like, well, you know, it ain't in context. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, pa- I'll let it pass. That's yeah, that's like one of very few movies where the like the blackface is actually like.
3: Well,
0: uh, um, contextually, it makes sense. And they also yeah. help a black guy escape the clan in a, a great scene. So- yeah. so there's, there's actually, I'm going to have to just see it. Yes,
1: 100%. There's, uh, there's a black guy, one of the, uh, he was based off of the blues guitarist, Robert Johnson. Um, speaking of trickster gods and crossroads, uh, there's yeah. a very strong there's a very strong element within the blues of when the blues talks about the devil. You can almost, like, make a direct one-to-one comparison with, like, a pre-existing, like, folk song about Eshu Elegbara from, like, the Yoruba people. So, like, a lot of that mythology, uh, uh, like, was retained within African-American folklore. They just, like, changed his name to The Devil. Um, But the the theory was that Robert Johnson met the devil at a crossroads in Mississippi at midnight and sold his soul to the devil in exchange for the ability to play guitar. He did not come up with this myth on his own. Randos made it up about Robert Johnson and he just didn't deny it uh cuz you yeah, know he leaned publicity. into the, the
0: mythology like, of it
1: well you yeah. know and it, it um, ties
0: in perfectly to what we were talking about in the last episode about how like be the monster people think you are anyway yeah. like black people were so commonly it's associated with demonic things and like with
1: jazz music was this was called the devil's yeah. music like just yeah. like the, the mm-hmm. whole concept of selling your soul to the devil was just if you played church music before and now you play the blues for money and like go to bars and drink alcohol that was Selling your soul to the devil for all intents and yeah. purposes. And it's the anti-blackness
0: uh-huh. at the root. <laughs> yeah, isn't it always. Yeah, yeah. isn't <laughs> always. It, it,
1: it genuinely is always. There's a character based off of him um, in Oh Brother Where Art Thou, and uh, when I was in high school, I got really interested in the blues, but I I couldn't understand it. Like when you when you when you try to look up what is the blues, it's like so nebulous. Because like yeah. one definition is like, oh, it's you know, it's the the three verses where like this amount of repetition. But you look at like self-accompanied male blues guitarists like blind Willie McTell, like Robert Johnson, and then you look at uh like the vaudeville blues, like female blues singers like Ma Rainey, um and Bessie Smith, those are like two completely different genres, but they're both yeah. called the blues. Why? Yeah. And it's I I I wanted to understand the blues, I and I still don't. I still don't. It's just been years, years and years and years. I have like a book from the library that is just like a compilation of like hundreds of blues lyrics that I got because I wanted to like parse them out, like you would with with a with a poem to to what is it when you with the accent mark to find like yeah to try to figure out the because like I want I want to understand it but it it feels so nebulous and Mm. it it almost feels like it almost feels like unfair like how come other people like this sort of thing just comes naturally to them but it feels like I have to work so much harder to be able to understand what the music is doing and like how to replicate it
0: And I would say to that, and I would love to hear Gerai's perspective on this, but, like, I think the idea of genres in and of itself is a nebulous concept. We talk about this a lot in, like, just music. I used to have a music podcast we talked about. Like, genre has so much room for wiggling and interpretation and stuff like that. And when we get to like some of these genre debates have a really real weird impact on today's society. Like, Look at Lil Nas X. When Lil Nas X broke through with Old Town Road there was an entire discourse about whether it belonged on the country charts or not. And it was wow. like, some people were like, well no, I mean it doesn't fit the genre constraints of country. But then other people pointed out that there are literally so many modern country artists that do not fit the traditional genre constraints of country. And
1: country Itself is just blues for white people. So yeah, so many, so many modern day country artists are like trying to rap. Also, yes. I mean, it's
3: oh, so yeah, really
2: incongruous. <laughs> That's really like, unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: the
0: whole idea indeed. of like everything fitting into this neat little genre box in the first place is silly. And I know that Weaver and I have already talked about like the whole like Mama Rainey had a totally different style to like Blind Willie McTell. And it's like because women weren't allowed to like be on the streets playing guitar. They'd yeah. be like thrown in jail.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's something I noticed in my research is that um, so most female blues singers weren't self-accompanied. Uh, folks like Blind Willie McTell uh, on the recordings is just him playing his own guitar. Um, whereas female blues musicians like Ma Rainey, like Bessie Smith, they would sing and they would have a jazz band accompanying them. And when you think about the kinds of places women were expected to sing, um, cabarets, saloons, people—well, people, yes, people, uh, well, singing the blues was very yeah. was very strongly associated with like alcohol. Yeah, there's there's I've done a lot of research into like the history of prohibition as well, um, but uh, drinking like the way alcohol was sold like it, it, you couldn't just like get a bottle of beer if you wanted to drink you would go to the saloon like you had to leave your house to do it and it was very heavily associated with like male culture if women were going to drink they you know would drink uh like health tonics at home because they didn't leave their house to go to bars, but men did. And when they would go to a saloon, what would they want to hear? They would want to hear a woman saying, probably wearing a skimpy dress. And so women, like th- like these the women's like vaudeville style blues was, you know, it got its start in buildings, you know, where probably there was a piano and the mm. woman didn't have to learn how to play her own instrument because like she, her body was what people were coming to see. Which is lot because most of them were gay.
3: Hello. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: whereas folks like Blind Woman <laughs> Tell, if you were a man, you could just walk around on the street and stand on a street corner and mm-hmm. play the guitar for tips. You couldn't do that if you were a woman. You, Yeah, you would get arrested for prostitution. Yes. And so you can see how that affected the ways that 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 the genre diverged.
0: Mm-hmm. It's um, also so wild to me to think about like how it you we see this in Oh Brother War Art Thou? We even see it in the Elvis movie that just came out recently. I like I don't know if either of you saw it, but I watched it with a friend. And I like the fact, recently, yeah. yeah, the fact that in the 1930s there, there were just like radio stations in the middle of nowhere, and anybody could just walk into the station and
1: be like, I have a sound record. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> Um, but yeah, I, in terms of how I came to try to understand the music, so I have to like, I, do you watch Steven Universe, Taraya?
2: I've actually recently started trying to actually watch the whole thing. I never have.
0: Okay,
1: that's valid. There's, there's a scene from, like, w- one of the final seasons where... I'm really looking like,
0: forward to what you're going to say here because I have watched Stephen Universe and I'm just the, the curious pearl, where going. The,
1: the pearl inside Pearl's head inside Pearl's head. Oh, yeah. Like, yes, yes, head. yes. The pearl like, Nested, yes. <laughs> yeah. So I have to sort of, like, externalize. So, like, in order to try to understand the blues, I had to create a fictional character who was contemporary to those blues musicians who would go and interview them. So I could, like... It was just sort of like this... Nest like Russian nesting doll like I created this fictional persona that I can imagine you know befriends Blind Willie McTell and does an interview with him and like asks him questions and when I try to figure out okay how would Blind Willie McTell answer these questions then I go do research and so it's like this framework like the way for you being able to like produce music and visualize it you know on a screen that is in, in a similar way I use like um the fiction of, uh, you know, creating these characters who befriend musicians in order to try to learn about the process. Um, yeah, it's interesting the way you sort of like have to externalize, um, uh, that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, totally. I mean, I think for me, it really ended up being the piano, you know, like everything, everything I, once I could like see a piano roll and like look at it digitally, I, that really clicked for me. And even now, like anything like musically or like arrangement wise, even if I'm, when I'm playing other instruments, I'm imagining it on the piano. That's why I'm having a hard time learning guitar because it's kind of got its own visual language, but it's like when I play, like when I play a C chord on guitar, like I'm picturing a C chord on the piano and I'm trying to follow along, you know, like it's kind of like, you know it's kind of like being um being fluent in two languages versus being fluent in one language and being able to translate to a different language i guess you know mm-hmm. yeah that it's like I... your schema
0: is challenged because you have this whole like your your schema is built around um piano and then you're trying to like adjust it to other mm-hmm. things and it can be hard like i have that same experience i play a little guitar I'm way better guitar than piano, but that's not to say that I'm exceptionally good at guitar. Um, But yeah, conceptualizing things like chords. I mean, piano is so different because I can conceptualize a chord. I can break down a chord on the piano. But when it comes to like fluently playing or getting my brain to work, like one thing I always had so much trouble with is like playing two different hands at the same time. Like, okay, play the melody here and play the harmony here. (sighs) My brain was
1: just like short circuiting. (laughs) I the most successful I've been at trying to learn an instrument was the spoons (laughs) (laughs) hey you i met um you know abby the spoon lady yeah she used to be my mutual before my account got hacked Oh yeah, I met
0: her um for, uh, like I went oh, to a tour. She is such an interesting woman. She is she literally got her start like this playing spoons. She was a hobo. Like she just self-describes as a hobo and she would train she trained hop to get away from her abusive husband. And in one of the towns she got to, there were oh, some life. spoons on a table outside of a restaurant. She stole the spoons and started playing them to like make money because that was the only oh. way that she was like homeless. And so oh.
1: um that's how she learned how to play the spoons. Yeah, <laughs> like, now she's she's like one of the most well Spoon players like that, there is Currently um but yeah because like The spoons doesn't have notes it's Just the like I'm like okay I already have a hard enough time With the rhythm but like adding In like melody that's just too Much I'm gonna stick to to, You know just trying to make a beat Um but uh Uh it looks like we Are we're coming close to the end I Think the last question I want to ask Jariah Is what Uh do you have any do you have like a dream project like oh you Do you ever you know, have a
0: dream when you like you would you would
3: you wish, <laughs> you,
1: you wish it, you didn't wait,
3: do you have oh, wait, wait, wait. sorry
0: i just thought you said you do you
1: like do you have a dream Oh, do you ever have when a dream you, when when you um <laughs> So I have I have an idea in my head like, oh, if I start a band, this is the kind of, you know, this is the kind of music I want to make that it has nothing to do with what I'm actually capable of, right? It's just like, you know, my, my pipe dream. This is the kind of sound um, that I would – that I want to be able to capture. Um, do you have any, like, anything that you would really like to explore in the future that you haven't, like, already – uh, already played around with like any types of sounds, any genres, any instruments that you you would be interested in, you know, exploring in the future.
3: Hmm.
2: Good question. Interesting question. I mean, I I mean, okay. So here, here here's what I think. I guess my, my answer right now musically, as far as like ideas I have, and you know, I guess like taking it back to the whole question about developing a sound. The, the record I'm working on currently is really just me doing, like, everything. Like, just all of those, like, dream ideas and all of the stuff that I'm, like, nice. I really want to do. The Kind of the goal with this record is just put it all on there. And I figure by the time I've done it, that'll, like, make me want to do some new things that I, like, yeah. haven't thought of. Um, but also, I would love to, like, get into television one day. I feel like that's, like, Ooh, a medium
1: I really yeah.
2: am interested in. Like, television and film, obviously, like, having oh, like, yeah animation background that's um definitely something i can see myself like you know eventually getting into and music like
0: the music for video games and like and movies and tv is so underappreciated because like video game soundtracks yes and that can make or break your experience with a piece of media like the soundtrack somebody was breaking down the soundtrack of like breath of the wild some of the most incredible sound or not just the soundtrack I mean the soundtrack is beautiful but even just the sound like just the sounds of yeah the the soundscape in general like the sounds of Link's feet and how it sounds differently on grass versus on gravel versus on sand and all that kind of stuff so many details that you don't consciously think about but like it helps that's why I can play Breath of the Wild for like six straight hours and just not even know any time has passed
2: (laughs) yeah and like it really it really creates like the immersion especially if we're talking about video games which i can yeah. talk about all day but
1: uh, uh, how yeah. long have you been working on this new record Raya?
2: i uh i wrote it down actually so i Ooh. i keep we love I a keep, prepared uh, guest <laughs> i keep a google doc of like every idea i have like i throw all of it in there it's just nice. titled album two because like I figure every single like idea I have is like in one way or another going to end up on this album. So it's all there. And I m- made the document and at the beginning of it, it says officially started October 25th, 2018. So that's Nice, that's where it is. Wow. <laughs> and it's it's kind of crazy in here. There's like six versions of like a synopsis that I have crossed out. Uh, yeah, I they know all how it is. became irrelevant and there's <laughs> like a track list and a the entire creative terrible, process like, you know, <laughs> right pretty much yeah
1: no i was just like i i've been procrastinating writing my story for two years because i keep i keep focusing on the research and i'm like i just want to learn things because oh. like for me the plot of the story was just a roadmap to guide me through learning the things that I would have wanted to learn had I not dropped out of college. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. like it was, it was just a means for me to give myself an education. Um, yeah, and like That's doing like- the research was like so fun that like I, I, I don't want to commit to starting writing because I want to keep researching.
2: Oh my God. Okay. Can I bring this full circle actually? Yes, absolutely. Really, you
1: can. That We'd totally
2: that. reminds me. So that's like exactly what my first album was. Like I, I never written a song before that wow. album. Besides like I like produce some electronic stuff, but that was the first time, like those songs are the first 12 songs I've ever written in my life. There's nothing before that. There's no like, because I was like, I want to learn how to make music and how to produce and how to write and arrange. That was when I learned music theory the second time and it actually stuck you know and it was like this thing where i was like i'm gonna use this album to like learn how music works i obsessively listened to all of my favorite songs and just be like what is this melody what are these chords like why does all of this work and every single song in that record was like a way of me parsing through all of my favorite like music and just figuring out like interesting it is you know
1: yeah yeah
2: that's, that makes oh, a lot of that's, sense. It was that's so a fascinating. Fun little research
1: project. I feel like your brain and my brain work in similar ways. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I,
0: I do, do, do <laughs> same, and like I feel the exact same way, which is why we asked the question earlier. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> we were asked me, well, I asked me in a private oh chat, no, like, what's the what polite way of asking if he's autistic. <laughs> 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 like,
1: I, I get
3: asked that
1: a lot funnily enough <laughs> some people some people think it's an insult some people think it's an insult and like i never mean it that way because i think being autistic is a good thing yeah i think it's I love awesome being it's
0: like a superpower <laughs> yeah
1: some people some people get offended when you ask um yeah i, but like, I feel like it's a it's
2: a very astute observation
1: <laughs> but yeah um god there's 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 so many more things i wish we could talk about but there's only so so much time can go into one podcast But there's no law that says we can't
0: have you on again we'd like you yeah we definitely who is also a musician so parker's gonna want to
1: meet you we definitely have to get you back in season two so you can meet (laughs) parker also yeah i'd love to i'd love to chat more sometime about um you know yeah picking your brain about how you got started uh producing Absolutely. music i would yeah i'd love to just especially now because i'm i'm the one that does the editing for the podcast like i want I, I am so editing the video i can do like i made a really cool like like talk about anime intro i did like a sitcom style intro with like all of our sims uh like two year songs yeah. yeah it was like, so involved editing, i was like how did you do this <laughs> editing video clicks for me and then yeah. I'll go to edit the audio and I'm like, uh, okay, what does equalizer mean again? And my husband's like, I explained this to you twice. And I'm like, but what? <laughs> <laughs> Like just the, the 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 mechanics of audio editing just feels so foreign. <laughs>
2: yeah, okay. That's a that's another thing. So I, I produce an FL Studio. And that was just, like, by chance because, like, my music teacher told me about it when I was 11 and I've just used it ever since. But it turns out that it's a very different software from, like, most Mm. other, like, DAWs and most other, like, music production programs. Like, there's a pretty standard way that these things are set up. And I remember meeting other people that use things like Pro Tools, which is, like, the industry standard or, like, Logic. And seeing FL Studio and they were, like, this looks like a video game. Like, this doesn't Mm -hmm. look like a tool
1: for making music. Like the UI and I was is, like,
2: oh And I was like, oh, maybe that's why it makes so much sense to me. And yeah. I remember trying to use other things and I was like, oh, this is terrible. So yeah. like I have to just like so much of what I'm trying to do, I just have to think of. Whereas like FL Studio it really is like a little video game. I I, I remember because you brought up the equalizer and it's like the equalizer in there is just like a little chart that you, like, click and drag, like, the little dots around. And I'm like, that nice. makes sense to me. This looks
1: yeah. like sounds, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, like, even, even with, like, visual art, I have a really hard time drawing. But I can, like, sculpt. I can, like, move things around in three dimensions. But when I have to yeah, try to, like, sense. make it flat, I can't, like, I can't get the lines right. But if I can hold it in my hand, then I can, like, smush it and, like... I, f- I feel like uh, a lot of uh, different sorts of UIs can sort of be similar to that, that dichotomy of like yeah. to be able to like visualize oh God, and push yeah. things around.
2: Yeah. I could do a whole podcast about UI. I think about it so much, but totally yeah yes
0: exactly. well thank you so much for <laughs> for being on it's really been cool talking to you and talking even though our conversation went literally here there and everywhere like it always does um oh, yeah. but uh thank you so much i really much wonder your... where you planned
2: for it to go
0: because we, we never really plan. But... we always have a general idea and then we just kind of let fate take us wherever it's going to take us we maybe Hell, we'll yeah, talk no, about no. the devil at the crossroads and yoruba goddesses like i you never know okay.
1: <laughs> i had a fun time when we had Kenna on the show, the plan was to talk about like black horror and Jordan Peele, and we got on this ta- we we got on this tangent dunking on W. E. B. Du Bois. Um, we got on yeah. a bunch of tangents about zombies, which ended up being relevant. Yeah, that got on was a relevant. Tangent about fan fiction. Um, <laughs> there's there's Twilight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just never there know where it's gonna to, go,
0: but it's exactly. always. It's always a good, and then people, uh, people, and people really like that. Like I've uh, literally already had people commenting. <laughs> We've only released one episode, and people are already like, when's the next episode?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah like, let's it
1: get, sounds I- like it sounds like you're just friends talking around a table." I'm like, "Well, well that's basically that's what it is." It is. <laughs> we, yeah, we don't really have a plan. We're just kind of winging it. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I'm but, going to send you Jariah my Spotify playlist. I have a, I have a, I have a Spotify playlist called "Roguish Carnival Roustabout." Um, it's very like a dark cabaret heavy. Also a lot of Will Wood. Also I saw you like didn't you go on tour yeah. With, yeah. with Will Wood I'm or like do a show with him once? Oh yeah, I did like a um
2: live stream thing. Uh, like, um God, the album's so cool. like uh you know, like campaign release thing to like raise money for it. And that I'm, was like a crazy little I am such a
1: huge time. Will Wood stan. Uh, and Schaefer James, but yeah, like the the. If you ever wanted, I also
2: wanted... recently met Schaefer. It was really, it was really cool. Oh, your life! We'll, oh my gosh. We'll, we'll see what what happens yeah. there. Yeah, if you Things ever might be in the works.
1: If you ever wanted to go, yeah, into a more like sort of vintage dark cabaret direction, God, that would be that would be, or like like you know, I've been talking lately like there needs to be a rockabilly revival revival. Um, yeah, <laughs> there was a record the revival in the '90s, and it's been like 30 years. I think it's time. I think it's time it comes back around again.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey. A lot, a lot of things can happen on this record. You know, Ooh, who knows? Yes. I am. It's a real, it's a real party so far.
1: I'm my, my know. current karaoke standards are the stray, stray Cat Strat by the Stray Cats and Mr. Pinstripe Suit by uh, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. And I am looking forward to finding more karaoke standards on your next album. Oh, <laughs> I have a feeling. I, hope I can.
2: We, I want to get some yeah. of this to be like karaoke stuff. I think
1: yeah. it's fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, thank you so much for joining us. I feel like I tried to close this out five minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, sorry, we got to again. it's <laughs> happening. It's, so- it, it's happening. We got we got some of it. We just got to put our foot down. But thank you so much for uh, joining us, Jariah. Thank you so much for listening to Close Encounters of the Blurred Kind. Um, we uh, really appreciate everyone following, liking, subscribing. If you're listening to this on YouTube or watching this on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe and click the little bell so you see when we upload. If you are listening to this on another podcast catcher like uh I, apple podcast or like spotify just make sure you subscribe make sure you rate us um and give us a five stars hopefully and let us know leave a review let us know how yeah. we're doing let us know anything you want to hear from us we have our email we recently started an instagram so we have that um there's lots of places to reach out to us on social media and of course like just our email if you have suggestions about people you want to see if you are a black nerd and you want you have a topic that you would love to see covered and you want to maybe potentially us interview you let us reach out let us know and uh is there anything else i'm leaving out weaver
1: uh did you mention that if you want to be a sponsor for the show so we can have a real proper a real proper Uh, ad break yeah close encounters of the blurred kind at gmail.com at
0: yes and that that'll be in the uh that'll be in the description of course and we especially would love to work like if you're a small brand and you just like want to get your name out there or whatever and we will work with you because we love to work with those small indie brands we're not trying to do like amazon sponsorships or no shit like that so like please let us know if there's like if you have a business or a brand or something you want to promote or uh what have you and we'll
1: we can do like we can do like jumbotron (laughs) like they did on on adventure on on my bam bam <laughs> Just a hundred bucks, and we'll, we'll read your jumbotron. Oh yeah! <laughs> happy birth- happy yeah. birthday to so and so. That's the
3: way to yeah. do it. This-
0: yes. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening, and we will see you guys
3: next
1: and time. And wait, wait, wait! We movies. got our our oh, the, the the last part of our outro is you know finally thank you to Jariah for the use of your song a Beginner's Guide oh, to Faking Your Death" for. <laughs> for the intro and, and outro
0: <laughs> and please go check out jiraiya on youtube and everywhere else listen to his music it's great um as you've already seen and uh yeah thank you so much for joining us and uh right,
1: see bye you next bye. time stay blurdy. stay blurdy. I'm, try- I'm trying to make that happen <laughs> Dude, yeah, <damn> <laughs>